0: DSC is a team of 33 people across Australia, all working together to bring specialised training and consulting expertise to providers in the disability sector.
1: All right, here's
2: what's going to happen now.
1: Hello and welcome to our podcast.
2: We are DSC. Your turn. You're the boss. Disability Disability done, different, candid conversations. Hope you're ready because we're starting.
1: Welcome to Disability Done Different, candid conversations. We're doing recollections of 2020, and what a f- year that
2: was! <laughs> <laughs> Disability Done Different, candid recollections. Yes,
1: it's so, December.
3: To so, believe it or not, it is December. Yep.
1: yep. In the studio is um, my sidekick Evie, who a lot of people have been hearing recently, anyway. But my co-director Vanessa Toy, who came um, particular prominence on podcasts when she was co-host of our COVID conversations, when we were looking at what leaders were doing in the sector. Do you remember how long ago that was, Vanessa?
3: About, it feels about seven years, but it was probably about seven months. Hi, yeah. everyone.
1: Hi. So what we want to do in this episode is um, we just made a quick list before we came on air of the things that really stood out for us and just have a candid conversation. What did you call it, Evie?
2: A candid recollection. The
1: candid recollection of um, how it impacted on us and how we think it impacted on the peoples around us.
2: We're just going okay. to slide right over the fact that you called me a psychic <laughs> that people might have been hearing.
1: So the year begins with this. So I, I want to take it to us as an organization. We're going to run the Get Your Shit Together, the GIST conference, and we're really excited about it. Ticket sales are going really good. And in the early publicity, the bushfires happen, and they're really, really significant bushfires. And, Eve, you'd remember pretty well the early publicity, we had an orange smoky color it's not funny at all. Orange smoky color background to all of our publicity, and a particular and a picture of Sydney Harbour Bridge. Was
2: yeah, so we had like the the hero image on the website was this beautiful image of Sydney Harbour, and we'd put this smoky orange gradient over it, so it was like very evocative orange image of Sydney.
1: At the same time, Sydney had turned orange.
2: Yeah, it aged very quickly, that picture.
1: So we, we really quickly pulled that um, colour and we went to a different colour for the just advertising. But the really interesting thing for me was that by the time COVID came around in February, March and we were releasing new material around COVID, we started using that colour again because people were so transfixed and transmogrified by COVID that the bushfires had really receded into the background. But they didn't recede into the background for everybody.
2: Yeah, uh, those, of, those of you who've been following our podcast for a while might have also noticed that we had to change some of the language about on our podcast earlier in the year. We, well, we had described ourselves as the type of people who will be more likely to start a fire than put it out, and uh, that got a bit awkward earlier this year. Yeah,
1: so there's nothing terribly much funny about making those changes, but there's significant changes, Vanessa.
3: Well, it's what was really interesting was how quickly the public discourse can change and people's memories. I mean, even though it's not lost in our memory, our attention moved really fast, generally. You know, most people's attention just swung right across, not thinking about smoke and fire anymore.
1: And straight across to COVID, which is, it's just such a weird thing. So where we're sitting recording right now, we've just cancelled a our DSC Christmas party in Newcastle because we've got the Northern Beaches outbreak just happening. So all of these outbreaks will be moments in history, won't they? The Northern mm-hmm. Beaches outbreak.
3: Just cancelled it like an hour and a half ago. Yeah, so we've yeah. cancelled
1: the Christmas party at a time when we were beginning to forget COVID. Mm. I, one of the things for me was we went to a breakup for our daughter Emily's school last week and someone said something about the five kilometre rule and it's like five oh Oh yeah, we were locked down and we couldn't go more than five kilometres and what are the things that stand out for you guys, you know, that that was a pretty big one. But what else was in COVID that
3: And of course we're Melbourne and one one of just before I answer that question, yeah, yeah. It was, it, one of the things that this year became obvious in the early stages of COVID it was, you know, like never before a sense of we're all in this together in largely across the whole world. Yeah, But then by the time Melbourne went into Stage 4 lockdown, that was a very different experience. And for DSC, because we're a national organisation, we have people all over the country, suddenly us Melburnians were having a very different experience to the rest of our team and finding it hard to articulate what we were experiencing. And even, as you say, when it finishes, having trouble remembering that we had a 5K rule and a curfew.
1: We had this weird thing though. we had this, we're all in this together as a team DSC pulled together Mm -hmm. phenomenally well. Mm -hmm. I don't think that worked as a sector and I think as a sector we were forgotten. There was a, a lot of discussion early on about the disability sector just not being mentioned. It was all about aged care and aged care problems and aged care PPE and trying to get the disability sector on the agenda or have it even discussed. You know, there was a national cabinet, national shit was happening everywhere the disability sector wasn't included in the COVID. And, and and now they're still releasing COVID stuff now that is mm, so, so
3: shocking. It's so shocking. A lot of is, yeah, a lot of the resources um, from people other than D S C have come out in the last month. That's I found that really shocking.
1: This is our Christmas recording, folks, for a pandemic that broke in February. Mm. Some of the best resources the government have released are coming out now mm. for the disability sector. Yeah. So Sort of leads us into something you've been talking a bit about, Vanessa, about the personal and professional collisions that happened this year.
3: Yeah, so one, especially in the early days of COVID, uh, I know I'm not the only person who noticed this. It was talked about a lot around the personal and the professional collided like most of us had never experienced before and maybe for a few reasons I think you know one is that suddenly a lot of people were working from home so when you're looking in on your teammate you're looking in on their home life Uh, you know you're seeing literally seeing their lounge room or their bedroom and their children running in the background so that you can't hide your personal life in the same way and even if you turn your video off that's in a way still a signal from your home environment And also because we were all in this together, at least in the early stages, there was, you know, a sense that what I'm personally experiencing is relevant to what you're personally experiencing. And so we had a permission to check in with each other more. Uh, And a lot of the people that we work with in organisations were talking about, you know, the permission and even the mandate to inquire about how people are actually doing, to have meetings driven at least partly around people's well-being, for their emotional well-being to be relevant and to be allowable for people to say, look, I'm just done for today, I can't be here. Um, you know, I've got family responsibilities and for that to be okay. So the personal becoming really relevant to people's ability to do their jobs. And then the surprising discovery that that helped, that actually helped their professional life as well. Lo and behold, our personal selves help our professional selves.
1: Maybe you were talking earlier today about reviewing some of the um, the Zoom meetings that you've held on file for a range of reasons. Do you, do you want to tell us about what you were seeing in people during those Zoom meetings?
2: <laughs> I was just saying there was, uh, you know, in Zoom meetings, we've got like maybe eight or 10 team members in. We all kind of took it in turns to look pretty haggard <laughs> and at least one of them. I will put my hand up and say I was definitely that person for a few of them. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah, I don't know what to say other than that. That's a good example actually, isn't it? It's like there's some days when,
3: well, I'm here and you should kind of be grateful that I'm here. You know, my, <laughs> my hair, I don't know, have I got hair? Okay, yep, yep, my hair hasn't been done. Good point, but I'm here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, we're talking, just um, picking up some of those um, cameo or funny, funnier moments, can you talk about some of the things that um, people put on their registrations for online workshops and some of the things that happened in online workshops, Evie?
2: Well, one thing this talk, this year has taught me is that people don't really know what an accessibility requirement is. So we get a lot of people in the field when they're buying e-learning or online workshops in the accessibility requirement saying things like, uh, no pork, please. <laughs> <laughs> really gets in my way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and, or, or just like, uh, I'd like to learn more. And it's like, okay, great, you've come to the right place. Not necessarily an accessibility requirement. uh, But some of the highlights from the workshops that we've seen, I guess when you want to talk about the personal becoming professional and the professional becoming quite unprofessional, Mm. uh, we have – probably seen a bit more of some of our learners than we would have liked to, getting changed in the middle of workshops without taking videos off. You know know who you are. (laughs) And And a baby Joey came to one of the workshops. Really? Yeah, just like the best pet appearance of the year. It was probably that one.
1: But the consistent number of people that gave us their dietary requirements for online workshops was quite quite (laughs) hilarious, wasn't it? Yeah. So...
3: But the interesting thing about what we're talking about also because this is the disability sector, you know, we work with human beings and and uh, it's in a way, of course, we've probably had our personal selves more integrated with our work selves than most other sectors have for that reason. But still, there was a strong shift around people feeling permission uh, or, or just having to bring more of their what's happening in their own life in, you know, to bear on their working life as well. Um and that that's not only a negative thing, that's a really wonderful thing. It
2: is. The emotions were just running high at the start too. Yeah. I'm only just remembering now how many meetings in March and April I was crying. Yeah. And and often for joy, like sometimes because somebody just wrote an agenda for a meeting that I was so pleased with and I was i like, oh got the tears in my eyes again now. It's so stupid. But yeah, the, it's been an emotional year in a lot of ways. Yeah.
1: Well, one of the things we're talking about when we're putting together the the thoughts for this episode is what have been the big events of this year for us and the, the remark you made evie do you remember it?
2: that in some ways it feels like it's not been very eventful
1: yeah that there's been a couple of you know mega things that have happened but if you then post out the events that really happened within that mm. it's not so much is it
2: not for me personally
1: yeah
3: and so i'm not sure whether that's because with lockdown a lot of things kind of seem to shut down but also whether compared to that high adrenaline experience everything else seems Mm. like a non-event um i
2: remember i was just going to say i was just reminded of in the middle of that melbourne lockdown when people from interstate would say how you doing and it's like i'm just living the same day over and over again how about you yeah groundhog day vanessa's (laughs) favorite movie (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so talking about the collision of Personal, professional. I think in our business, the one of the biggest events this year was the death of Anne Marie Smith. Mm. In terms of seeing a number of our consultants feel really um, deeply, personally moved or challenged by it. And Vanessa, you recently chose your favourite article of the year as um, Jess Quilty's "Failing Through the Gaps." Do you remember why?
3: Yeah, and remind me to come back to the the, um, your first part of your sentence. Uh, because it's that unique magic that sometimes you know and Jess is such a good writer but sometimes comes together where someone can kind of really clearly articulate what is missing what's wrong but then also really show how it could be uh, in a really helpful developmental way yeah. She Jess still says there's a lot of work to be done to break that down into something where people can learn from it, but that's not my experience. Like, some, you know, people are are already learning from that, and it's been, it's it's already been impactful. And I think I, that the strength of
1: that article, if you don't mind me jumping in, mm. was partly about her highlighting what the Quality and Safeguards Commission is not doing. Yeah. She didn't set about to do that, but she's clearly highlighting that the Quality and Safeguards Commission is taking a very, very strong compliance focus. And it's incredibly disappointing because they're not doing enough work on education. Their stuff is incredibly difficult to read most of the time. And in all my dealings with them and in all our dealings with them, we find them quite heavy-handed, quite authoritarian and quite patriarchal. So I'm having a go at the Quality and Safeguards Commission. I think they deserve it at the end of 2021. And the scariest thing is, with the royal commission barking at their heels, they're they're going to get even more heavy-handed in
2: 2021. It, there you go. I was just going to say it's a it's oh, it's more than a shame. But one of the things that the Jess will often point to, and Leighton Jay, who also works for DSC, that they'll point to it's will be to say it didn't have to be this way. Looking no. at the quality and safeguards framework, there's actually a real focus on the developmental side mm-hmm. of things and, and we would have hoped that the rollout of the national approach would have involved more engaging with providers, building their capacity to support people to live good, safe lives in a, rather than this overemphasis on the corrective and compliance approach, as you say.
1: Yeah, I, I get off um, discussions with the most senior people in the commission feeling like I've been spoken down to, mm-hmm. like I'm being told off. It's like what the
3: fuck. You so can bleep that. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? So what I was what I was going. You, you two are reminding me because I was talking about the flavour of the article, but that's kind of the direction that we. I think we all wish the commission would go in, but it's also a really common trap, isn't it? When you when things need to be different, and when it's your responsibility around the regulation of things being different, to fall into the trap of it being all around compliance. Stop doing this. Stop doing this or I'll punish you. Mm-hmm. And Jess really role-modelled in that article that, yes, we can point out what's not working, but I'm going to take a developmental approach. It's not around... It's not a punishing approach. It's a developmental approach, and I so wish the Commission... It would, it's a difficult thing to do, but I so wish that they would be putting all the resources into helping providers to get it right.
1: So the name of that article, again, just to promote it again, is Failing Through the Gaps. You can find it on our resource hub or we'll put it it in the the show notes. notes. Yeah. So DSC has been around since the beginning of the scheme. And every year we've decided we're going to run a conference. And every year, about a month into planning or three weeks into planning or a couple of months into planning, I get too scared. And I say, no, it's too much work. It's not what we want to do this year. We don't have the presence. And Evie, do you want to take us through the story of GIST this year?
2: Yeah, so we launched ticket sales for GIST. Get your strategy together. Don't believe anything Roland might have said earlier in this podcast about what that acronym stands for. Just Get Your Strategy Together was the conference we launched in January and it sold really, really fast. We were well on track to sell out.
1: A short history, you wanted to book a small theatre and I kept saying, let's book a bigger (laughs) theatre.
2: Okay, small history, you're all like, let's play I told you so, call it what you will. (laughs) Uh, So I was wrong in that particular instance, as sometimes happens, it was looking like it was going to be a really stellar event and of course we had to reschedule. So initially we uh, were talking a lot about having a virtual conference and we decided not to do that. But there was some pretty heated conversations that we had. Also repeatedly. We kept yeah. coming back to it again We, we again. were doing
1: it two weeks ago. Why aren't we doing a virtual conference? We'd,
2: every now and then we'd
3: find someone who's doing virtual conferencing and we'd open it up again. And <laughs> yeah. then we'd do the virtual conference
2: and we'd come back and say, that's why we're not doing
1: it. <laughs> yeah, you actually drove the knife through the heart of the virtual conference, Evie, do you remember her? Yeah.
2: Because I think I got that Zoom fatigue really, really early on. And I just could not imagine spending two days watching Talking Heads on a virtual conference. And that it was almost like an existential moment for me of what is a conference? If you can't put it online, what value does a conference have if it's not about the speakers and it's not about the content? But like a year later, I've kind of come to terms with that. It's okay that a lot of the magic in a conference is the stuff that happens between the presentations. Mm. It's the little... Um, conversations you have waiting for a coffee or the networking or the person you run into you haven't seen for a year and just like having that shared sense of being together that and being away from your desk as well being away from your normal work life exactly and and the drinks you know and all the fun stuff that comes along with that and I just haven't seen that replicated online yet so I'm not sorry that I put the knife in just as a virtual conference but I
1: just jump in and one of the things people say a lot about conferences is if if I just get two or three things out of it, I'm really happy, and they'll go to something for two days. But if you sat on something online for two days and then Which just I said, "I got recently. two or three things out of it," yeah, it's, it's just suicidal.
3: Yeah, I, I, so I had this experience because my favourite conference that I go to each year, the Leadership Circle Summit, uh, last year was, you know, I experienced it as kind of transformative and amazing, and one of the most important trips of my year up to Sydney. And um, this year it was online uh, and a, only a little bit shortened. It was most of two days. And I just found it exhausting and disengaging and a little bit depressing. Mm. <laughs> and it's the same people in the same quality, but I couldn't engage in the same way because of that Zoom fatigue.
1: But one of the things we've decided this year is, as a team and as a group is we're never going back to... So the the, the way it used to work at DSC, again, you can describe it, either the way people travelled around doing the workshops over periods... Yeah,
2: yes. so previously we would have a workshop that we usually run as like a series. So to go for about six weeks, every week a presenter would go to a different capital city and run the workshop Sometimes for a two day. capital
1: cities in a week.
2: Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you'd, you know, go three capital cities, go present, fly, present, fly, present, fly home. These really like kind of extended, very carbon intensive mm. <laughs> um, tours that were really fatiguing. And it meant that we only get, we'd only be able to run the workshop. In somewhere like Darwin every six months. Sydney maybe every two months. And only get to run it if it was going to have a decent
3: number of people coming.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's
3: been a big change, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, but now if you're a support coordinator in Sydney, you know, our intensive runs twice a week. You can jump in on anything. support
1: coordinator two hours out of Alice Springs.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: So the reach has dramatically increased, hasn't it? With the numbers attending our workshops and online, this is not meant to be a plug, it's meant to be about... Um, increasing online access for everybody but it's quadrupled quintupled the number of people coming to our stuff
2: yeah i think so because if, i think the thing we always expected was that it would become more accessible to people in rural and remote but the thing that i didn't expect is that it just becomes more accessible when you don't even have a commute that mm-hmm. you can just spend the the breaks doing your work you can just pop in and pop out like you do with another meeting i think that's that's had a big role
1: so for those of you that are interested in the back of house stuff at dsc we used to be 60% consulting and 40% training. By the time COVID came, we were about 50 50. And by the time COVID hit, we're probably 90 10 now. We're 90% training, 10% cons- consulting, and we've got a conference on the back burner. So, in theory, the, it's the, the, the business yeah. model seriously changed, hasn't it, Vanessa?
3: Yeah, and at first that was you know obviously because everybody kind of shut down movement and so they went online with their training needs and and people temporarily shut down their consulting requirements but then it hasn't gone back yep and uh and that's partly i think because people have discovered that you can learn effectively online yep and consulting can be remote as well so
1: let's let's finish off with independent assessments if we're looking for big things that are happened or happening so and
2: can I make that conversation even a bit bigger and talk about the reform that's happened over the last six to twelve months and that's likely to happen over the next six to twelve months in the NDIS and are
1: you, could you put an umbrella over it all about scheme sustainability do you think
2: yeah I think that's been the big hot topic for this year two reasons one we're in a recession but two it was probably coming around the corner anyway I think the NDIS costs. COVID or no, were well well in excess of what was initially projected. And so what we're seeing from NDIA is understandably a lot of different measures to try to get scheme sustainability under control. But, you know, ones that we probably have some concerns about or disagreements with, uh, one of which is independent assessments.
1: Hmm. And probably, I mean, a lot of it's been, in a sense, harpooned by the Parliamentary Standing Committee that's now going to investigate it with an incredibly... Um, thorough terms of reference. You've got to wonder if Kirsten Dean helped them write the, t- t- <laughs> the terms of reference because they're a really good set of things that they're looking at and whether they'll work and how they'll work and why they, why they work.
3: So we're, I mean, we're in full support of scheme sustainability, of course. You know, the NDIS yep. has to work and it has to be sustainable, but it's the, the, the question we have is around independent assessments being any part of that. Yeah, at what cost? Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, let's finish with the personal as professional and can I get each of you to reflect on one of the biggest personal professional growth things that have happened to you this year and what's 2020 going to be memorable for you for?
2: What are you going to say?
1: Oh, I could kick it off with, <laughs> I wasn't planning to do this, I shouldn't have done it, but I will. Um, I struggle with alcohol. I, I, I think I must have been a functional alcoholic because I was still functioning (laughs) and um, I was very, very much looking forward to my drinks. And during COVID, um, they turned into margaritas, which is um, not a great drink to be drinking on a regular basis. So with a bit of help from Vanessa, um, I gave up almost six months ago and life has changed incredibly much for the better. So there's even a word for people in Australia that um, talk about alcohol in a negative way. And it's like a dobber, it's a wowser. So I always feel guilty when I say I feel good not drinking because I'm a bit of a dick. (laughs) (laughs)
2: You've swapped one type of dickish behaviour for another. (laughs) I've I've kept other ones. (laughs) So your turn. It's a big change. Congratulations, Dad. Thanks. Yeah, it's a big deal. It is for me. Yeah. Vanessa is also Dad's wife. If you guys have forgotten, it's not like. Surely that. That. Surely <laughs> that. And by Evie's now. her love child.
1: <laughs> 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 Step up, sorry. Roland's
3: also about to become a grandfather. I am. Yeah. yeah. Very in, exciting. In about five months' time. Not by me. And to, Evie, to will, be, be Evie clear. will be becoming a, an, an auntie, auntie. Yes. And I will be becoming something as yet unnamed. Can't, can't be a grandmother. <laughs> it's it's not a grandmother. And. <laughs>
1: Come on, personal, professional.
2: I feel, I, I feel a bit uncomfortable about this question because the truth is I've kind of had a good year. 2020 has, you know, as far as 2020 goes, been kind of kind to me and I feel guilty admitting it. But I've really discovered my inner introvert in covid And slowing down and actually realising I don't need that much of other people has kind of been a real gift, I think, to tell you the truth. My mental health has never been so good.
1: That's great.
2: That's helpful. Now I've got an answer, Evie.
3: Um, I think in the early days of COVID, I kept saying this is like a masterclass in anxiety management. And I liked to think that was the case for everyone. I think it was the case for a lot of people, but it was certainly the case for me. And that's partly just where i'm at personally because i'm post i'm perimenopausal and that makes us all a bit crazy but one of the gifts of lockdown is that it becomes really obvious when every day is the same that there's no change in the outer environment mm. and the thing that makes the difference is my own mood. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a test, isn't it?
3: And that's been both very uncomfortable but also really helpful because I've been able to also experiment with things that help and things that make it worse. So I've I've actually, a bit like you, I've, I've really appreciated that personal development. I'm still in the thick of it because I still notice myself kind of operating as if everything's urgent sometimes. And COVID's also shown me that that really needs to change, that I'm a much better mother, partner, leader, coach, therapist when I'm not operating out of urgency, but I'm I'm still in the thick of learning how to do that.
1: I think one of the things we're all feeling as we're starting to emerge from the lockdown because we haven't emerged from COVID is how much we buried and how much is, is surfacing now that the pressure's off, which is a great intro to you, Maya, What's been your biggest professional, personal, opportunity, growth, development for 2020?
0: Of the bit of everything that everyone's already said, but I think for me, um, especially personally, uh, a lot has happened in 2020, um, and from different extremes, I guess. So I've gone through, you know, during lockdown, feeling incredibly, incredibly isolated.
1: You're living by yourself. But
0: Yes, that's right. And, um, and also, just that feeling of being so loved from afar by the people in my life who, you know, have, have sent me care packages and kept in touch with me and, and really cared about my mental health and my well being, which has really given me a sense of community that just doesn't necessarily need to be physical connection. It, we can actually connect so easily and with just as much meaning with people from uh, other parts of the world, other parts of the country. Um, And professionally, I think it's really given me a sense of uh, knowing what I need to do to hustle. (laughs) (laughs) And that um, being able to be a podcast producer and a voiceover actor, being able to do that from an isolated vantage point is still actually just as doable as doing it in the wider world.
1: I don't know if it occurred to Evie and Vanessa at all, but the curveball irony of has had one of the tougher lockdowns for people in Melbourne. Mm. She's got a new partner. You know Where she's moving to? <laughs> to Sydney. Northern Beaches. Oh, oh Maya.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I do pick them. Yeah.
1: I do pick the yeah. spots. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's probably a perfect note to finish up our, uh, and thanks for introducing yourself as the podcast producer, because I didn't do it, but you did a great job. Um, wishing everybody a fantastic 2021.
3: Yeah, and let's hope it's a little more easeful than 2020.
0: Hallelujah.
1: (laughs) I want to do a plug. We don't usually do plugs, but I want to do a plug at this for podcast next year. So get ready, Evie, and get ready, Vanessa. But basically, we've got some stuff on the, the cards that's really quite exciting. So Disability Done Different Candid Conversations will continue next year in the format that you know and love it if you're a listener. But what we're doing is a new one called Business Case Investigations, BCI, with a cheesy private investigator theme that um, May has been working on beautifully, where Sally Cottington and I go out and try to find services that are leading the way in helping us understand where the sector could go, maybe even um, should go. So that's the BCI podcast will come out. We've already got three episodes up and ready. Evie, you've got a genius idea for next year for some frontline stuff. Tell us about what you want to do. Put yourself out there. No, No, it's still top secret, Dad. No, no. Just give us a hint, a (laughs) teaser.
2: all right. I'll I'll give you a few words. Support worker training in a podcast. (gasps) What could it possibly mean? That's all you're getting.
1: Could it be when you're driving to work for 20 minutes that you get to listen to the podcast, Evie?
2: Uh, If anyone didn't know, Dad can't keep a single secret. Now you know too.
1: And Vanessa, leadership, you're going to do stuff with us on leadership next year?
2: So podcasts, I don't know about
3: podcasts, but I'm definitely running a community of practice for people in leadership at any level in the sector who are really trying to bring about change in their own organisation.
1: Sounds great. Yeah. And mayor, is there any light at the end of the very long tunnel, which is the Love At podcast?
0: yes there is love that will be coming to you at some point during 2021 and uh, that's with our very own sally coddington who is going to be investigating love at the front line I'm going to leave it at that because uh, I think it's something that needs to be a journey that you come on rather than one that you are told about.
2: I guess the plan is so far that we'll release them all through this podcast channel, right? So if you subscribe to Disability Done Different, you will get to see all of those when they come out. So. Yeah,
1: expect an emerging wave of podcasts coming at you when you least expect it. <laughs> Thank you, all. Thank you, Maya. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you, Evie. Yay. Thank yeah. you. Thanks,
2: everyone. Thank Thanks, everyone. You. You've been listening to Disability Done Different Candid Conversations slash Candid Recollections, a podcast that's produced by DSC and the lovely Maya Thomas. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today and any other day that you've joined us. We really appreciate you listening to us. And we like making this podcast, so please keep doing that next year. If you want to subscribe, you can wherever you get your podcasts or at teamdsc.com.au slash podcasts. And dad won't like me saying this because it's going to age it, but Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.